Welcome to the Watch and Wine Podcast, a show about cinema brought to you by Mercy, Maria, and Rowan. You can find us on Discord for in-depth film discussion and live podcast sessions, or the Instagram account for more film content. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Rowan and you can find me on Letterboxd at Rosace or you can find me on Twitter at Rowan underscore Roz. I'm joined by my co-host Maria. Hey, I'm Maria. You can find me on Letterboxd as Maria R-O-M. And today we are joined by uh, our special guest, Eddie. Hey, I'm Eddie. You can find me on Letterboxd as Eddie Ontiveros. Uh, we're also joined by Mercy. As always, I'm Mercy. You can find me on Letterbox at literally underscore Mercy. And unfortunately, today we are not going to have Lauren for the first half of the episode. He may join us later on today. I think he might pop in. Uh, but anyways, this is the this is the lineup for this morning. Uh, I say this morning because it's currently like six a.m. for me sure. right now. I don't know what time it is for you guys. Yeah, We're spanning our usual three time zones. I'm in Pacific time. Maria and Eddie are in Central, and then Rowan's across the sea. It is oh yeah, nightmare. let's give up our directions. <laughs> yeah, let's just dox our ourselves. Yeah, because <laughs> the time zones really gonna narrow it. Down. I was gonna say time I'll, zones I'll say, have I'll... a lot of geography involved. Also, like the coordinates on the podcast description for my address. Maria's inviting stalkers over to her house, okay? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, okay, so should we just do a, a quick plug of all of our stuff that we got going on? So we have the Discord server, obviously. We're all moderators of the Watch and Wine Discord server. If you want to join us, we're a you know horror and art house uh, and, and foreign movie-focused Discord server with a you know a tight-knit community, I'd say. Um yeah and we have the instagram run by mercy and maria oh yes. yeah maria does incredible design work for that and if you're interested really cool. in any of the community activities we do on the server so we have a monthly film talket topic and a weekly film roulette our instagram is a good way to stay up to date on those and get plugged in a little bit more so you can meet new friends who like film as much as you do yeah join us all right. Uh, well, we also have the podcast Twitter, but I've been a little bit inactive on that. So, uh, you know, you can follow that if you want. Follow all our socials. Yeah, Stay follow all, yeah, all the socials. <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah, you can always check all of our social media on watchandwine.club in case you, you just want to check all of it. Another site that was designed by Maria. Maria does all of the design work for us, and I really think we don't appreciate it her work enough because it's <laughs> exceptional so thanks thanks for the shout out and the compliment uh yeah so we've got a we've got our you know just a bit of a usual show today so we got the we're gonna we're gonna continue our letterbox 250 discussion we're gonna be talking about seven samurai and 12 angry men i believe is next in line a bit of a numbered episode today we got seven and 12 back to back uh that wasn't even yeah. intentional we were going to do uh, Harakiri and Seven Samurai in, in one episode, but I don't, I don't think that ended up happening because they were kind of separate in numbers. You know, Harakiri was a bit higher than Seven Samurai. 
Anyway, so we're going to be talking about the Letterboxd 50 first, and then we're going to move on to some questions that we've got pre-prepared. But also, we're going to be answering some live questions throughout the podcast, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we got the podcast discussion open, and we got a couple of guests listening in, so, uh, you know, a little bit of a shout out. You can always listen in to the podcast live if you join the Watch and Wine Discord server and leave your questions and stuff for us to answer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then later on, we're going to be doing a little bit of a breakdown on Finch's filmography and just kind of directing style. So, uh, you know, just a pretty basic topic that you can put on the in the background or something, you know? Uh, yeah. Yes. So yeah, anyways, do we want It's wanna... a good lineup. Yeah, pretty good lineup. And hopefully Lauren joins in between segments. Sure. Uh, does anyone want to kick us off with a discussion on Seven Samurai? I'm pretty sure not all of us have seen this, actually. I, I haven't seen this one. I have not either. Movie. Oh. I think Maria and Eddie are the only two who've seen it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes, we are the only ones. We get a husband and wife discussion. <laughs> oh my god, stop this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start, too. I love this. <laughs> Ah, yes, me too, me too. All right, so uh, let's talk about Seven Samurai. And um, I personally disliked it. Yeah. (laughs) I really liked it. I thought it was very interesting how they managed to present all the characters in such a compact way and still managed to drive this story so smoothly. I don't know. I think it's because it was uh, black and white. Uh, it tires my eyes so much. So it was very annoying for me to watch that. And I, it's not to be racist or anything, but they were like, I couldn't recognize who was who. And maybe it was because they were like very gritty black and white. And I don't know. It was hard. And I didn't feel invested enough in the story to, to follow it or anything like that. Yeah, the custom design was really hard to follow. They were all very similar. But I think the story was pretty good. It was like a village was getting attacked and this seven samurai were the ones that were trying to defend it. I, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I think that's throughout the, the movie, like all the little problems that they have to solve to defend the village, they present themselves very smoothly. Yeah, I don't I've know. actually seen the first half of this movie. Like, I don't know if I'm just. Uh, I, I might have talked about this last podcast. I'm actually pretty certain I said this last episode. So I don't want to. I don't want to repeat myself. But uh, just uh, from the costuming and everything, and the black and white, I think definitely contributed. But yeah, I was a little bit confused about kind of who everyone was and what their role was in the story. Just, I think the language barrier also prevented me from kind of understanding everyone's name and stuff, which definitely helps me tie a character's role to, you know, their appearance and stuff. So, yeah, I, I was a little bit confused about how the story was going ahead. I think maybe that just makes me a not very attentive film watcher, but that was just my experience with watching <laughs> Seven Samurai. Uh, also. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, yeah, it was, sure it was, it, it's, it's, it's a hard movie. It's, uh, you know, I feel the same with Harakiri. I, I don't know if we have discussed this already, but I feel the same with Harakiri. I, I totally got lost in the story and I didn't like it. Um, 
I personally don't like black and white movies, so maybe that's like a major um, uh, thing that makes me don't pay attention much to the movie, you know? What is it that detracts you from watching uh, black and white movies? I don't know. Like, it just makes my heart hurt for some reason. The brightness? Just a preference thing? No specific reason? I don't know. I mean... Like movies like Lighthouse, when I watched it, I, I went to watch it in, in the movies, like, you know, with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. And mm -hmm. I left the cinema so mad. Like, ah, I, I was, <laughs> I was so mad. I, I, I had a hard time watching it. And I mean, the movie is good, but why black and white? It just made my, my heart hurt so much. And, and I don't know, it's, I mean, I guess it's a preference. I just, I mean, I love black. It's my favorite color, probably, but, and I only wear black, you know, but seeing it in movies is just, I feel like they is boring, you know, like it takes the life out of it. I don't know. The potential of showing all the colors and stuff. Yeah, maybe it's that. It's maybe a preference. I don't know. I, I haven't gone that deep into thinking about why I don't like them. I just don't like them. Fair enough. I, I, I used to kind of have the same biases with sort of, like old movies and stuff i because i i'd kind of grown up with as a as a young person you know uh, mm -hmm. I, i'd sort of grown up with the more cgi heavy movies and uh more more polished more polished stuff you know and it, and it took me to actually dive into some of alfred hitchcock's stuff to really and, and 12 angry men which we're going to talk about soon uh which is a actually a unintentionally great segue um Mm -hmm. took me watching some of those really really good classics to kind of uh, motivate me to watch some good movies and actually believe they could be good you know what i mean like uh yeah. I would watch i would watch an old movie expecting it to be kind of boring uh, but that's not the case mm -hmm. obviously there are a lot of really really great movies that are that were you know obviously uh, there's a lot of really great movies that were made before the year you know 1960 or whatever you know sure yeah i mean I, I don't have a thing against old movies i mean there's some uh and all the black and white movies because there, there are some black and white movies i have really enjoyed like persona i love that movie it was so good um uh i don't know what else um metropolis vampire um i don't know this kind of movies i really loved it but they were about some topics that really, really, really interested me, you know? Like, I, I'm not interested in fights like samurais and stuff like that, or or stuff like I, I prefer, like, more raw and, and violent stuff, like, uh, very human. Like, there's this uh, Czechoslovakian movie called The Cremator. It's so good. It's a whole... This guy in the... In the in the late 30s and he is like a cremator and it's so creepy and so um raw and 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 gritty that i really loved it but uh besides that i i don't think uh i could pay attention to any other movie that are, is very philosophical or very you know like introspective because uh, that things uh bores me so much for a reason i don't know <laughs> I think that 
color is like a tool and some black and white movies like really manage to drive you with the story, the, everything that is going on, the characters. And then if you have a good tool like color, you can just bring that up. And if it, it doesn't have like color, you just have to really rely on what you have, you know? Because like Almodovar, what he does with his movies, oh, yes. the color palette is amazing and it just captures you more. Yeah, it's something to consider. Just... Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I think something to consider is kind of using black and white out of having no other choice and using it as sort of an artistic decision. Like, uh, I think it's hard to compare the black and white used in Seven Samurai to black and white used in The Lighthouse because I'm sure that given the opportunity... Seven Samurai would have been shot in color. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about the timing of that, but that seems right. Like, I feel like that would have been forced to be black and white, but The Lighthouse was intentionally made black and white, so I don't really know what the... Yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's just something to be said about that. They're, they're not the... You can't yeah. directly compare the two. Like, the lighthouse was made to be in black and white, and the Seven Samurai had no choice mm -hmm. but to be in black and white. Yeah, that's right. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, and like uh, Eddie said, I, I think color can, you know, color is used as a tool in the majority of movies. I'd say, like, uh, without without that uh, without that tool, you kind of are forced to be more creative with your narrative and even practical effects. You need to be a, just a bit more clever and on the game to tell your story because it's basically a handicap you know yeah you're handicapped on the story yeah anyway so that, that kind of <laughs> derailed a little bit uh do we want to talk about 12 angry men then well, you're getting a lot of hate in the discussion <laughs> chat by the way maria <laughs> i know take is been, i know uh, in the black and white. It's okay. Says, I'm used to it. <laughs> Macbeth says, I used to not like black and white movies. Uh, then they stopped being 10 years old. So, uh, yeah. That's some. <laughs> no, then, You're starting then, a riot. then I stopped being 10 years old. <laughs> Sorry, He's did I swap from joke first of Maria? Who? <laughs> I tried to owe me, but then you owe yourself. <laughs> but yeah. yeah let's talk about 12 angry, angry man yeah okay it's a shitty movie oh I hate fuck it. you no it is so good <laughs> it is it's so, so good horrible Benda, have you seen it mercy yes a consistent and... theme in this uh letterbox 250 is that maria hates all of the films we're discussing <laughs> yeah I i'm gonna take that as confirmation that i'm i'm the correct one Oh, I agree. I agree. I recently <laughs> saw this too. Um, I it's late fifties, right? I believe, and I had not seen it for forever, even though it's so critically acclaimed. And I finally watched it with my parents, and I'm really glad I made the time for it. Yeah, this was one of the first. I think I, I mentioned this like five minutes ago, but this is one of the first quote unquote quote unquote old movies that I actually kind of gave a chance, and the very year after i watched it they made it essential watching in school and i was so happy about that because uh this movie is fucking fantastic everything from the dialogue between 
You know, you know what I'm a sucker for? I'm a sucker for movies where you've got a bit of an ensemble cast and then it slowly sort of eliminates them one by one. I'm trying to think of some really good examples of that. Uh, like The Hunger Games, sort of, when that when, when I was a little bit younger, that was sort of the thing that got me into that. With Sort of just... Uh, I, I'm trying to think of, of, an, of an example to properly kind of articulate what I mean by that. But I think... Do you get what I mean? Like, uh, but, mm-hmm. but this movie does that. It it starts with twelve, sort of against one. Actually, it's it's eleven against one. But shit, should we start with the with the plot of this movie for those who haven't seen this masterpiece? Because uh, <laughs> yeah. So basically, tell me about there's, it. There's a guy that's on trial, right, for murdering this woman, and uh, the entire movie is set in a, a jury room where. The 12 members of the jury have to kind of argue between each other to decide with a unanimous vote whether this guy is guilty or innocent. And it is 12 Uh voting for guilty and one voting for innocent. And it is the story of this one innocent guy trying to convince the entire room of opposers. uh, Is opposers a word? Is is the correct word in that sentence? Position. The persecutors? Well, anyways, he's he's the one guy who is played by Henry Fonda, and he is trying to convince all of the other jurors that he is correct, you know? Uh, and one by one, he gets people on his side using kind of common sense and logic and th- things you wouldn't even think of with the small amount of details they give you, uh, like one of the witnesses had a, a, a mark where glasses would be usually sitting and uh they weren't wearing glasses in the courtroom or whatever but they they deduct they deduced they deducted or whatever uh they deduced that if you wake up and you see a murder as you wake up or something if you've just been woken up by a train then you wouldn't have been wearing your glasses and therefore you wouldn't be able to clearly see a murder therefore your you know your account your is not trustworthy it, it just so much <laughs> logical shit like that and it it is so clever the screenplay is just so smart you come out of the every like five minutes they have some new revelation and you just sit there thinking holy fucking shit like it's just mind-blowing to me Uh, i've got this as five stars on letterboxd (laughs) i think i think maybe i dropped it down to like nine or something but it, it is just so good if you haven't seen this movie do yourself a favor and and watch it that this is up there for sure yeah, i think it, very stable. go ahead oh i was gonna say it's also a 10 for me i like that it's pretty progressive honestly for the time period that it's in um just in terms of they talk about racism and xenophobia and even just the theme of toxic uh toxic masculinity all of those kind of come out because you have 12 men dialoguing with one another over the life of another young man who and i think the i'm gonna call him a kid but he is a man is like 18 or something the person who they're trying to convict so it's it's a great exploration of those for a time when maybe that wasn't a huge dialogue for most people especially with a name like 12 angry men it really favors kind of discussion and kind of uh being careful and and not just throwing it like it's very much the antithesis of what it looks like if you just saw a poster or the title you know 
it's uh the the people who just jump to conclusions without a properly kind of i don't know i see a lot of uh parallels between this movie and kind of american uh conversations like uh you could probably argue that half of the people in that room would be sort of republicans in, in today's uh environment you know like you could you, you could pick out which one which jurors would be trump supporters in 2020 you know what i mean like <laughs> like yes <laughs> right, right yeah so i mean the jury is supposed to be a random selection of people who have no connection to the case and obviously as the story unfolds you realize that people bring in their personal biases and experiences and that's how that unfolds and it gives you a really fantastic picture of 12 different people even though the film itself is not super long you get Mm -hmm. to explore 12 different people's characters in a fairly in-depth way um not just through dialogue but also you know the camera gets increasingly intimate as we go on um like we start with a lot of wide angle shots and you can see upwards of like three to five people in each shot and then by the end you're basically getting single intimate close shots of each man as kind of you've gotten to know them better even the fucking weather is is like fitting like it starts uh, i'm trying to remember it correctly because i haven't seen it in a while but if if i recall correctly it starts really like hot right like it's like one of the hottest days of the year and uh they're trapped in this little box and everyone's sweating and you know the tension is really high and as he starts kind of as Henry Fonda starts sitting everyone down, like, kind of, you know, this is not, you know, we should look a little bit more into this. This is not exactly what it seems. Uh, it becomes a little colder. The, uh, you know, it starts to rain a bit. And I think by the end of the, you know, by the final scene, when they're all walking out of the courtroom, it's like a giant storm, you know? It's like, a, it's completely swapped. You know, uh yeah you guys get what i mean right yeah. like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely the weather transitions as the attitude in the room changes uh eddie maria any thoughts that? on 12 angry men he hasn't seen it oh yet. okay okay yeah I, I i probably will put it today so he can watch it but i don't know i just think that it's not that good i mean there's like so many other movies that can easily overtake this movie in the same topic and i don't know i just feel like it was very annoying for me to watch one hour and half or whatever uh of 12 men or more uh just yelling at each other and just being manly and you know uh it was very annoying for me I was like, shut up already. (laughs) I disagree with that because I think it's very much the opposite of that. I think it, uh, the people who do yell and the people who don't use reasoning and the people who are really loud, angry, kind of just manly men, you know, they're the people who are kind of the villains of this story and it goes out of its way to kind of make you hate them. So... Uh, the people who Which are collected you... are the protagonists. It's very, I mean, it's obviously one of the foundations of like the courtroom drama as a genre. I think, like, what's another example? I guess To Kill a Mockingbird is probably another instance of that. And then we have, 
you know, more modern adaptations like The Trial of the Chicago right. Fifth Seven yeah. came out last year. Yeah, which is, I don't know why that's the first thing that comes to mind. But even like, I don't know, Fincher, we're going to talk about later, but like The Social Network in a very twisted way is a bit of a courtroom drama, like a modified version of it. Um, we might get back to that later on. But it's definitely, yeah, it's one of the foundational films for setting that up as a standard. Just the, yeah. the feeling of claustrophobia and everyone packed into one room, multiple opinions flying at each other, um, and also the storytelling that unfolds of the events of, you know, the murder or whatever the trial is about, and then that balanced with the dialogue surrounding all of the people involved in the judgment or decision process. You know what I see in 12 Angry Men, surprisingly? I, I think, yeah, we, we've definitely talked about this before. It might have been on our episode zero but uh, I, I saw a little bit of a Circle in this. I'm wondering if Circle was inspired by 12 Angry Men, maybe? Because uh, they have very similar sort of uh, narratives. Like, messages? Just the, yeah, well, just the way the story carries out it. it uh, you, they use kind of... They use kind of critical reasoning to kind of eliminate people one at a time. I'm I'm gonna Google this. I I'm very curious if there was any, if there's any kind of connection. So uh, you know what? I think you. I think I need to rethink what I need to say about this movie because I'm checking when I locked it, and it seems that I locked it back in 2018. So I'm confusing it with another movie. <laughs> oh, I don't know which movie. Is yeah, <laughs> because I didn't even write a review. I just put it um, half. Uh, the rating you know but i didn't i don't know um i don't remember now what it was about so forget forget what i say <laughs> forget my rant i was right ross edit that out i'll give you i heard laughter i wasn't listening i was researching maria yeah. is secretly a 12 angry man fan she yes is like a singular learned. 12 angry man I don't think saying Circle was inspired by 12 Angry Men does a disservice to 12 Angry Men. I mean, you can be inspired by something. It doesn't mean it'll be entirely faithful to what you're inspired by. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, Also, yeah, Circle's not even ins- that bad. <sighs> we talked about this. It we is, have talked about it this before. It is bad, it's and that's not even a problem. That <laughs> It really is bad. It's oh, not even man. that bad, you guys. It tries to be so deep, and it's it just right. flops on yeah. its face. I know, the it's circle. So funny that it's. <laughs> no, okay. Have okay. we watched together before a, a podcast? Yeah, we, we did. did. Yeah. We watched we it before. The one with the very first episode. Oh yeah, that was so bad. It was. It's a TV show. It's like it's a... the weakest link. I think that the writer slash writers literally all took an intro to social justice, an intro to philosophy course, and they were like, okay, oh how God. can we make this into a movie with the principles we've just learned about? That's what I think. But I yeah, it feels it's like so right. dumb and like, it's just wild, you know? <laughs> I don't know if that makes me like racist or something, but like, I, hopefully that doesn't. I don't, I'm, it's not like, I'm, I'm, the movie isn't like homophobic or racist or anything it like it talks about them not very kind of considerately but you know I mean, all of the 
those problematic characters are killed. So yeah, I was going to say, you? I'm trying to think if, if that was, uh, yeah, no, I don't think it's problematic. It, it, it's just a good, I'm not going to say a good movie. It is a watchable, fun movie. And uh, you can... Uh... And then we'll leave it at that. <laughs> and now we can talk about uh, w- w- what's next on, on our little agenda. Uh, questions? Yes. Do, do we want to start with some live questions? Has anyone left any questions? I'm hoping they have. Otherwise, that's going to be a bit awkward. I think we had we had a, a few. couple. Yeah. We had one of them asking uh, whether Interstellar or The Prestige was better, and that is an obvious answer. But we can cover that. Yeah, I think it's better. We haven't talked about Nolan much on the podcast yet, which I is think surprising because I think we've. I think we've all seen most, if not all, of his work. Yeah. I think talking about Nolan yeah. attracts uh, what Nolan would really describe as a film bro. Like, that sort of... Yeah. You know? Yeah. People who have Nolan as, like, their favorite director aren't typically... I like his movies. No, just yeah, I like his movies also. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm in the dark here, but it... Oh, oh, wait, wait. The movie I was talking about that I hated is Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Warning and Love the Bomb. That's Kubrick, not the isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's, it is not the, it is yeah, not the language. It's Doctor Strange Love, yes. Oh, you, did you confuse That's the that? one I hated. Right. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Breaking news, Maria was responding to the wrong movie in the whole discussion. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think I know what you're confusing it with. Isn't there like a like a scene in a in a UN meeting or something, and there's a bunch of people? Yeah, like in a yeah, wrong table one. or something. That's the one. I could there see. Was yeah. Like just... Have you seen Twelve Angry yeah. Men? The. Uh... I yeah, I have, but back in 2018, I just don't know what it was about. I I don't remember. You should go back and rewatch it in that case yeah it's really i would good. echo that maybe it's one of the first movies that kind of uh made me want to watch more old movies you know mm. she's all black and white movies look <laughs> the same to maria she's movie racist says Macbeth. <gasps> wow i need to work on myself and start putting more attention to movies because i think i have very little attention span and if the movie doesn't get me right away i just stop caring but you must hate but... uh slow burning films then me? yeah i was just gonna say that but <laughs> if it's one of those type of films yeah how do you I mean, enjoy there's... portrait of a lady on fire then i mean i can enjoy them i mean yes Great, no, but I can't great example of this. We just watched Pig together in the server this week, which is uh, a great oh. film that just recently came out. Now and I wish I it. it's it is a Nicolas Cage <laughs> film, and we got to the end, and Ryan oh my god, was like that was awful. I hated it. It was <laughs> terrible, and everyone else in the chat was like, "We don't understand." Wait, Panda. But the best part is, for the rest of the day, I was asking her if the pig was eaten. And she had no idea. Oh, that's so funny. I'm debating on... I was debating on watching that, like, the other day, and I'm regretting not watching it, because, yeah, I want to talk about... 
Movies we'll see. We should. It's it's the new Nicolas Cage revenge film, which I would recommend. It it it, but we should we should cover it on a podcast because it <laughs> it is also a slow burn, but it's an ironically like short slow burn. Like the movie itself, I think, is less than ninety minutes. Um, but the way it progresses is that same. So, wait, which one? But they eat yeah. the pig, right? Oh, <laughs> I think <laughs> it's more. I think it's more funny to me that you still don't know. <laughs> We don't know. Please tell us. Marcus sent me a whole oh no, no, they, they sent me like a plot written in a page, in a web page, but it was so long. I just didn't I, I, I tried to look for for the pig eating and I the, the, the search didn't come up. So That's I just so assume. funny. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know too. I watched the fucking movie. I think <laughs> I that you should rewatch. <laughs> No, no, I'm not going through that shit again. It was. Oh <laughs> I mean, I I just uh, write my review based on that you said it, it was very similar to First Cow, so I just said like a very cheap copy of that, and that's it. <laughs> Anyways, do we want to? Uh, no, we didn't even talk about questions. Should we just answer our questions? Have, has everyone got a? Everyone got the interstellar one. What was that? The interstellar one? Oh, we can answer that one too if you want. So oh, yeah. The, the we went was, from Nolan to Nick who Cage. Who asked it? Was, it? was it Matt? Yes. One of our listeners. Yeah, Matt Samal. I think that's how you pronounce it. You can correct me if I'm Samal. wrong. But uh, it they ask whether The Prestige or Interstellar is the superior movie. Uh, does anyone think it's actually Interstellar? Because I'm ready to... I am going for Interstellar. I love it. Ooh. Yeah, I love it so I want to hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, the pers- okay. Should I? Are we doing it? Are we doing a little mini debate here? Because the prestige is fucking great. I think both yeah, of them uh, yeah. shared with us attempt to have like a whammy ending, and I think arguably only one of them sticks the landing. I mean, uh, Interstellar. I think. We- is it scientifically correct or something? Like, isn't it? I think the black hole is. Maybe. I'm not sure about the singularity thing, but. Uh, oh yeah, the singularity thing is not. To anyone who's not really extremely invested in the movie, they're not going to care about that final like plotline. No, no one is experiencing. We should give a. This whole episode has been spoiler central, so maybe we should have announced. At you know, the I think the movies where spoilers, <laughs> oh, yeah. the movies we, we should do it. Sort of seen, and, and <sighs> nothing has been too kind of spoilery. Like you know, like I don't think we said what the outcome of Twelve Angry Men was, even though it's obvious. I think we're doing good. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Uh, so, I yeah. think I think the the, the thing that uh, differentiates the Prestige versus Interstellar is that. Uh, the prestige is actual fiction, you know. So you watch that movie as a, a whole fiction, and then with Interstellar, they try they try to throw all these uh, physics and and scientific facts at you. That I mean, I haven't fact checked that movie because I really don't care. I just it's thought fun. it was like, oh, this is deep. This is cool. Like yeah. in, in like in the the prestige, it was like, wow, this is dope because it is fiction. And then in the Interstellar, it was like, oh, this is this could actually happen. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's more about the ride, you know? It relies on you shaking, like, 
it relies on you just nodding your head and you know just accepting everything they tell you uh the prestige doesn't take as many leaps in logic the only one that the, like the only suspension of disbelief that you really have to have in uh the prestige uh is that is that thing sorry is that that's that's not a, that's spoiler. a spoiler yeah that's a huge spoiler that's a huge spoiler uh, okay. that's yeah. a huge spoiler don't worry you just, just beep don't it worry. just just yeah, beep just... it i'll bleep it i'll bleep that out in uh Yes, you'll be. Just forget, if you haven't seen the prestige, just forget. Is the thing with the. Just okay, yes. okay. Forget. How do I phrase this so it's not like a spoiler? Uh, you can say about close the to the end. leap in logic you have to take is the Tesla stuff. All right, that's the only. Uh... Okay, there we go. Yeah, that's the only thing that's not a hard set in reality. Right. Yeah. The Interstellar is arguably, even though it's more scientific, it's arguably more fiction than The Prestige. Uh, it, it, even going beyond its realism, The Prestige is just more entertaining than Interstellar, because Interstellar is the kind of movie that just intercuts a lot of scenes of just standing around and walking with, uh, you know, the occasional emotional beat. Like, it, even though I love The Revenant, it's kind of comparable because uh, that, you know... They're just but I don't long, know. and every 20 minutes you get a gut punch, and then it's just that again, and that again. But I love that. That was so cool, because, like, throughout the whole movie, it, like, slaps you in the face, slaps you in the face with new things that you had no idea were possible. And even if you don't fact-check them, it's so fascinating, and that was so cool to me. But the thing is, it's just a slap in the face. Like, it's one of those things where... I don't think this is a huge... I think pretty much everyone has seen Interstellar, and even if it is, I don't think this is such a big spoiler, but the the Murph thing where uh, it time skips him, like, 20 years in, like, the span of three hours or whatever, and he's looking back at uh, video his... recordings of his daughter, and she's all grown up in, like, the three hours that he's been gone, or, you know what, you know what I... The, you know what I'm talking about? Like... Yeah, it, I mean, the ending was go... not great. Well, I'm not talking about the ending. I'm talking about the, the scene where he's crying and he's going, yeah, Murph. <laughs> I actually think yeah. Interstellar is Nolan's most, which is saying a lot because I don't think he does very emotional films. It's one of my biggest issues with him, but I actually think that it's his most emotional film um, as far as the yeah. development between McConaughey and his daughter. I'd, I would stand by that. I liked it. Yeah, it was cool. The only reaction it'd get out of me is like a little, like a, hmm, when I when I think about it, oh, when I think about it, oh, it's so sad. But when I, you know, it's the kind of movie that will have that reaction out of me, and then five minutes later, I won't give a shit. I was thinking about The Prestige fucking all night when I saw it. Like, you know, <laughs> Interstellar is not going to leave me pondering it for the rest of the week. Like... You know, it's a mm -hmm. gut punch, you know, it's sad, it's no more sad than, you know, the snap in Infinity War, like, you know, you know, it's kind of sad. What about, like, two what about Batman? <laughs> what do you mean, Batman? Like the movie. Because it's Nolan's. is not boring. Uh, uh, wait. Yeah, I think you it's more of an ego thing on the prestige. The... I think he's right. Like, just two guys. Like, oh, I'm better. <laughs> yeah, but 
duh. We're, we're going to say that 12 Angry Men is really good, even though it's just people arguing, and we're going to say the prestige is bad just because it's that. I think that's a huge generalization. It's not just two people going, <laughs> it's it's so much more than that. The, the creative ways in which they stump each other, it they up the ante every yeah, single true. time they do it. And it, it yeah, it, it is magic in the way that... And most of the time, they have a really solid, in reality, explanation for how they did that. Uh, in Interstellar, they don't have that. They're just kind of like, science-y science. Uh, it's, hey, it okay. makes sense. I, think, I don't think you're making fair comparisons here. Because I'm being exaggerated. Prestige is like, it, it's, it's a drama mystery. And so it's going to have a different emphasis from a science fiction film. Because a huge part of Interstellar is the fact that it's the story of one man in the vastness of a giant universe yeah yeah so it's almost ways i think difficult to compare them because they're emphasizing different different stuff yeah yeah exactly it's like it's like a a movement you know because in in years behind in in years uh back Back. um like people will uh, make stories or movies about the things that they don't know so now what we don't know in, in modern society is what's out there in the space so he was trying just to make uh something out of his imagination you know like oh maybe it, it happens like this i mean as i said i'm not gonna fact check that movie because i don't care i just think that it it is like a cool possibility or like a dramatic possibility that could happen and and i see it and I experience it that way, like, oh, this is a nice movie to watch in the in the cinema. Like, wow, it's so impressive, and the whole production was like very cool. And and that's like the whole weight for me, uh, comparing it to the Prestige. I just yeah, think the, the Prestige is more tangible. Sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I just think Ten? it's a more tangible story to follow. Like, if I watch the Prestige, I can come out of that movie knowing how everything happened, and I'm not saying that that's that's the make and break for a good movie, but I think uh, you're watching Interstellar for the for the visuals, uh, for the acting, you know, for the for the emotional beats, and uh, like someone says in the in the chat, you know, tragedy is their thing. If that's your thing, you know, obviously Interstellar is going to be up your alley for those you know three moments where it, it'll make you sit back and go, huh, that's pretty sad. But the prestige uh, will make you come out of the movie feeling like you paid attention even though you might not have like it 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 has a way of making you pick up on the details subliminally and when it it pulls the curtain back and it shows you exactly what's going on you feel so fucking smart and you feel like the movie is so fucking smart and it is it's yeah that's because that's it's one of Nolan's most quote unquote straightforward films where frankly he gives you a very traditional twist like Interstellar is complex but it's complex because he went gosh he studied like space and time through NASA and he had all these resources for years like I think he rewrote the script as well at one point so it's supposed to be complex and it's supposed to be probably the kind of film that's intended to be seen more than once, which is ironic for me to say, cause I've only seen it once in theater and I have not seen it since, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think, I think the prestige is one of his more straightforward ABC plots in terms of probably the casual film lover is going to enjoy it a lot more than interstellar. Cause yeah, it's, it's three hours and it's, it's complex and it's going to have scientific details that the average person might not understand. 
I think we can probably leave it there. I don't think anyone's going to say anything that's going to change anyone's mind. We can probably move on to the next <laughs> few questions. I think in the grand scheme of things, like in, in terms of the uh, general film community, they're, they're basically tied anyways, like from what I read. Like I don't think it, there's really a, a clear preference over the other. Uh, someone said in the comments, is Tenet any good? No, it is not. Um, we should uh, we should do a ranking episode where we unpack all of Nolan's films because yeah. he's you know he's a that name for like a reason. Idea. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think someone ranked that like, uh, or someone sent their list ranking the Nolan movies like an hour ago. That we could go back. And I check also out. have yeah. I, like. I also have mine on Letterbox, which I probably should update and rewatch a couple. Like I've only seen Interstellar and Memento once each, but then you know, I'm like Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, I think I've seen like four or five times each. So oh, I have ranked. Them. It's probably not fair. Memento is so bad. I think I I don't I don't like it. Okay, Memento is the kind of movie that is so goddamn proud of itself. You know, like. Like, Memento's good, but it, it's good in the kind of way that I'm annoyed that it's so good. Because you can tell that whoever edited that movie thinks they're the fucking greatest person ever. <laughs> <laughs> Memento yeah, has some probably. black and white in it. What was your opinion on that, Maria? Says Macbeth. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's a tattoo movie, right? Like, when he tattoos everything. Yeah. Yes, that that's oh, a part yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good about, movie, good movie. Good should we stuff. talk about uh, film scores? I think there was a <gasps> yes, film so, scores uh, like movie, like film sound. Scores. Yeah, yes, did, not one of the questions. Not like ratings or rankings. Not but, like a score. Well, Mercy, you seem pretty excited. Do you want to read out the question? Uh, yes. If I can find it, that would be great. Um, yes, so this question is from Shelzo. Um, what is the most unsettling horror film score or soundtrack that you've ever heard? I have an answer for this. Um, Go for it. Have you guys seen the new Halloween movie, 2018? Uh, uh, Maria, you've got to have seen it. Which one? The new one, the newest reboot of Halloween. Oh, no, I haven't. You have no I'm one not seen either. it? Oh my god. Not the I don't newest think I have either. When did oh, it no. happen? Okay, well, I'm on my own in that case. But uh, th I think people listening will might know what I'm talking about. Uh, in the new Halloween movie, there is a scene near the end where our protagonist... I don't know if they're the protagonist, but one of the, the main characters stumbles upon one of Michael Myers' victims. And... The, the score that plays in the background is one of the most unique pieces of score I've, I've ever heard in a movie, like, period, not just in a horror movie. Uh, yeah. It's it's a sounds like a really synthy long note, but it, it's it's played on a electric guitar with a violin bow or, so, or something like that. In Halloween 2018? Yes, yes. The rebooted Halloween, the new one. Oh wait, yes, we did. See. We have seen it. I don't remember. I'm gonna scene. send it in chat. It. Just yeah, so yeah, send it, send it. I'm gonna see if I can find it. You know who the composer of that is? Yeah, it's uh, isn't it John Carpenter's 
son. I could be wrong. I uh, have no idea, but I want to look it up. That's the only reason I'm asking. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to send it. I'm going to find it. Okay, awesome. Give me a minute. You guys answer the question while I, while I look. What's yours, Mercy? Um, I really, really <laughs> love film scores. It's one of my favorite genres. Um, it was, yeah, film scores are kind of what I listened to the most when I was an undergrad and I was studying. It was my go-to. And then my brother and I have a tradition where we go to Halloween Horror Nights every year. And so I love being in the parks here in America and the entire park is just filled with horror scores or that kind of atmospheric, creepy sound that just follows you everywhere. So uh, quite a few favorites. I, Charlie Clauser comes to mind first just because he did the iconic theme for Saw and then he's done all of the scores, I believe, for Saw, even like Spiral, I think, and Jigsaw, the more recent ones. And then he also did the theme for Dead Silence, um, which is a James Wan film, um, and it brings in a lot of very creepy doll-like sounds, um, much superior to Annabelle or anything else. Um, and then another favorite would be Benjamin Wallfish, who did the score for It, which is super recent. Um, yeah, I could list a lot, but those are off the top of my head, some of my favorites. Wow, how do you know? How do you remember all the names? I have yeah, an entire impressive. playlist of oh, film scores, and I listen to it, it very now. frequently. So do I. Really? When? When do you listen to that? I've got I my just, playlist all the, movie scores. Just all the time. Also, wait, Jerry Goldsmith for Alien. I think that we can't underrate Alien's score because that's fantastic. I don't remember the Alien's It's very subtle. It's not so much of like a singular theme, um, but it's great for just building an atmospheric setting. Hmm. I've sent the uh, Halloween soundtrack in the discussion chat what i can do is i can play it for listeners of the podcast if everyone wants yeah to, sure yeah you won't be able to hear it but i'm just gonna play it for about 15 seconds sure are you playing it now yeah we're not gonna yeah. What's the point? I mean, I wanted to hear it. Anyways, uh, well, I just played it. Uh, the soundtrack is in the chat, so you can hear it, Maria. I've uh, sent it. It's called "The Shape Hunts oh. Allison." If you guys want to add it to any uh, can you, can playlist, please. Yeah, it's on the chat. What chat? Go up. This up. There. This. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh now i remember yeah i think it's played with an electric guitar and a violin bow which is so cool i can't even imagine coming up with that combination the score is in black and white she's gonna hate it <laughs> the uh the album cover or whatever it's called for the uh for the score has a black and white image of michael myers that is <laughs> really mean <laughs> i don't even know what to say about this question because i i don't know like i haven't really thought about it i only take note of the sports i like not the one that dislikes me that scare you yes for me i don't know if i have a score but it's this piece of music from insidious it's that really high pitch one it's also on spongebob 
I wouldn't say it's my favorite director, but I mean, I I I have seen like all of mo most of his movies. I'm only missing three. I've seen like four. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the the girl with the drown tattoo and Benjamin Button are, are one of his most uh, like the ones that I like the most. I'm, I'm getting yeah, for me, it's the girl with the dragon tattoo. I'm getting shade for liking Gone Girl the best. Come on, Gone Girl is one of the best movies of like the decade. It's so good. Gone Girl is good. I mean, when I watched it, I was so impressed. But then I rewatched it, and I didn't feel the same power in the same way that at the same time that uh, the first time I, I saw it. Well, you so know I changed what's going my on. mind. It's one of the few movies that uses shock value very effectively. And once you kind of know all of the tricks that she does, uh, it's not really... I'm not going to spoil it because that's what kind of makes the movie good, the, what I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, just watch Gone Girl blind without looking up anything. It's really good. Uh, I was going to say something. Yeah, it, it's one of the. it's also one of the few movies that gets you to root for the villain, even though they're arguably a piece of shit. Like... You know what I mean? Like, it makes you want them yeah. to kind of win because of how stupid is everyone else is. Wait, in But not Gone in a Girl? bad way. Yeah, Gone Girl. Don't you... How yeah. is... Maybe am I on my own in this one? Cause... Can you expand... You're saying Amy is a piece of shit? Yeah, she's... Yeah, she's a... <laughs> I mean, she's pretty bad, but what about her husband? No, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, everyone else is that. so bad that you make her want to win, <laughs> even though she's, like falsely accusing people of like shit you know sure sure sorry i <laughs> how is she not a piece of crap like i'm defending not... her, like <laughs> no it's not that she's not i just don't think that that's the point i think it's at the it's... end they come to the understanding that they're mutually toxic and they mutually have evil plans to destroy each other's lives and well-being well that's the intent but like obviously it doesn't even out you know ben affleck is honestly the biggest piece of shit but she has like false <laughs> you know falsely accused people of murder kidnapping like rape like all kinds of right nasty stuff even like ben affleck is a bit of a toxic not a bit of he is like a massive jerk he's a cheater yes yeah yes but <laughs> i don't know i don't think you can really say that amy is worse than uh sorry no i don't think you can say that she's better than him but at the same time you want her to win like does that make sense am i yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. you empathize yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i i will say i think that the book is actually i know i say this a lot but i do think that the book is actually better than the film in this instance because it has an emphasis on amy's letters like the entire her side of the story takes place through her writing so you get a much greater picture of how she unpacks everything from before she met her husband to during the marriage and even just her thoughts and why she did what she did and you know we have like the cool girl monologue in Fincher's film so they unpack it a little bit but I think mm -hmm. you just get a much more well-rounded picture of her thought process in the book talking about like books have have any of you seen a movie that is better than the book Yes, oh. Harry Potter. Mm, that's, that's probably a controversial cool. one. 
Harry Potter movies are. All right, that that's a that's a good one. Yes, that's a good question. Uh, No, Rafi is is right. The the movies capture the magic, quote unquote, more than the books ever had. Like everyone who who has read the books is so desperate to have their efforts justified, but the movies are so much better. Like, uh, there's a few positives in the books. Like, the books are really good at, uh... If, if there's one thing that the movies are worse at than the books are, is in the movies everyone kind of seems like a like a bit of a dick. Like, in some moments it kind of seems like Joss Whedon directed it because there's so many quips and shit. And in the book it makes it seem a bit more like teen angst. But, like... Uh, you know, there's like... Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. But apart from that, just the setting, the CGI is cracking, uh, you know, all of the actors are very well cast, like, and especially since they stuck through from beginning to end, like, in the book, you don't really get that sense of growing up with the character, but the movies, it starts with the main guy when he's, like, 11, and you watch, you know, what's his name? Daniel Radcliffe, he grows up. He's like 18 by the end, and you really feel like Mm. you watched this guy through all of his schooling. And uh, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, they did an amazing job. Dumbledore is also a a pretty major change from the book to the movie, and I think that it's pretty well represented. Even though it was, it's kind of a not it wasn't intentional because the actor passed away but the original dumbledore that was like in one and two uh mm-hmm. he was he seemed way more like what book dumbledore was and new dumbledore I, i'm trying to remember their names but i can't really remember i think it, it's like michael gambin or something or richard i could be completely off here mm-hmm. but they're very opposing interpretations of Dumbledore and the Dumbledore in the movies is very much badassified I don't know but I think it's an improvement is what I'm trying to say like you should feel kind of uh can someone back me up here like do you know what I'm trying to say uh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I get you um I think that well let's see if I got it right like from the first two movies, it was more like a heartwarming character, and by the end, it just became like a badass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the first, obviously, if we're being realistic to the books, the first Dumbledore was obviously better. But I think for the movie, I think they they make really good choices, kind of all around in adapting the best parts. Like people actually got upset that the house elves society thing that Hermione makes in the books. People are like, oh my god, that wasn't in the movie. Who the fuck wants to see that in a movie? No one is the answer like <laughs> no one wants to see you read the books i read the books they're all decent but obviously i, I fucking hate the author mm-hmm. so yeah i i get it but anyways mm. yeah harry potter movies. i never read them what was that i that i never read them so i don't know mm-hmm. yeah uh wait, wait so you're agreeing with me and you haven't even read the books yeah <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, but uh, anyways, that that's my my hot take. Uh, people, are, <laughs> I don't know how the topic got onto boyhood in chat right now, but uh oh, I know it's because I said that you see Harry Potter growing up 
like her. Oh. Like the way her says Matt Samal. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to shut the fuck up now because I've been ranting about a lot of things. So you, you We guys might have to some... edit this because I love how we were talking about Fincher and that. Yeah, and then I somehow got us on the Harry Potter. I'm sorry. Uh, but... <laughs> My bad. Actually, yeah, no, no was I was going to say that was Eddie. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was his... You can't distract me with a question while I'm talking about Fincher. How dare you? Anyways, I might end up cutting that out in that case. But, sorry, you guys, give, give us your... What are your favorite Fincher movies? I'll, I'll sit back. Go ahead, Mercy. Uh, oh, I was... <laughs> the Social Network is my favorite Fincher film. Um, I actually what? just rewatched it this week. Oh, absolutely. Um, Why? I... Well, it's one of those films where I think every single element pulls together perfectly. Like, it's top-tier talent from cinematography to score to acting. Um, Obviously, a fantastic, witty, and fast-paced screenplay. Um, All of it pulls together so cohesively, and you can tell that everyone clearly worked together to make this a masterful project. So I love every individual element in it, but I also think that it unites into something spectacular. My favorite has to be The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's a really good pick. I, I love that movie as well. That that makes probably my top three. And probably after that... Okay, I'm going to get judged for this one, but I'm going to stick to my guns. It's going to be The Game, because I saw it as soon as it came out. And at that time, to me, it was so impressive. Everyone has seen it? <laughs> I think yeah, we talked about this last week. I still have not seen the game. Oh, you should totally see it. Not to be confused with Game Night. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. no that's, that's a different one. But the way they handled it at that time when it first released, it was something I had never seen before, and it impressed me a lot. Yeah, it's a good movie. I, I don't think I have a favorite feature, um, but I really liked Benjamin Button. Like that was the most, the, the one that impressed me the most, and stick with side, me. That's pretty good. Which one? On the CG side, like it looks really yeah. nice. It made me cry so much when I see it. I I also watched it when as soon as it came up. So I was I don't know like ten or something. That movie and doesn't I... make sense though. What? The, okay, wait. You, if you've seen it a lot, you might be able to explain this to me. But when he's so the the thing about Benjamin Button is that he starts when he's old, like like he comes out huh. as a baby, like really old looking, and yes. then he turns into a baby as he gets yes. older. Like he ages in reverse, basically. So oh my god, he, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> So when he kind of is old age, like when he gets younger slash older, he should shrink, right? Uh-huh. He doesn't turn into a baby. He doesn't deteriorate into a baby. Like, he doesn't... Doesn't he just kind of... No? Like... Like little? Yeah, like he just kind of ends up as a teenager. Mm-hmm. No, I think, doesn't it go to the end of his life? I've only seen it once, but it was a really, really long time ago. Yeah, but I'm pretty here. sure they take it all, I'm pretty sure they yeah, take it, it all the way. It, 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 it ends up when he's a baby. Yeah. Okay, I might need to check he, out that ending he, again. Cause... 
<laughs> I just remember it being like, fucking, isn't he supposed to, like, de-age? Like... <laughs> yeah, check it out. We can see it out. It definitely makes um, all the journey. Do we want to talk about Fight Club since that's uh, the main... That's just not spoiler for Mercy. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone you, knows You can if, if... I don't see... You don't know the twist? Really... Oh. I don't run. know the twist. I don't know how I've spent my whole life... Of no one say it. Oh my god, you're so it's... lucky. Stay <laughs> out of discussion. No, no one say it. I haven't seen it, but it's already spoiled. That's why I'm making the point. Okay, oh. okay Eddie, we need to watch it together then, because yeah. we'll have, like, reverse reactions, because <laughs> you'll know what's going to happen. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, no one spoil it. If you spoil it, you're banned. Like, I'm not even kidding. No one spoil it. I, genu- I, I can't explain it. I have no idea what happens. Okay, okay, okay. I wish I didn't. Seriously, if you spoil it in chat, I'm actually clicking ban. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Don't spoil it. Who wants to stream Fight Club today? I will. I'll stream Fight Club. It's oh, yeah. yeah. I want to stream, stream it just because Fight you Club. haven't... You don't know the twist. That's going to make it so much better for you. Like, 100%. Yes. I'm stressed. I'm so stressed. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I don't know how you don't know that. It is, like, common knowledge to me. I, I've never looked up anything about it, and I haven't been, like, in conversations around it. So I think I've just gotten lucky. Okay. You are lucky. Uh, I yeah. am very excited to hear your reaction. Like, you open a clam and you find a pearl kind of lucky. But is there, like, a lot of things to spoil? I mean, it's there not is. really a spoiler be careful really? what you say, because that's a big spoiler. And I'm holding her because she spoils stuff for me so much. I'm so, like, right. scared that I'm going to accidentally say it. So I'm just going right, to avoid the topic. Yes, me too. I'm sorry, I should have watched it before this episode so no. that we could talk about it. No, no, no. Okay. We didn't We're know. in this together. We didn't yeah, you should we watch it. Adventure into like an hour before we recorded this. So that's like, true. That's, that's okay. true. You're gonna watch this, and your mind is gonna be blown. Just don't even. Yeah, I'm just. We're moving on. What's what? What's the next movie? Um, we can talk about. I would say Seven and Zodiac are two of his most well now well known um mystery detective films. Yeah. So we can talk about those. How you guys feel? Seven I like really Zodiac good. a lot. Oh, okay. Well, we can talk about Zodiac first. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I don't really know what to say about it other than usually mystery movies are really full of themselves, and this one made an emphasis on making it really, really interesting and not inflate like any of the characters' egos. It was just like an emphasis on chaos. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, I've actually seen only like the first two thirds of it, but I was really digging it. I, this is a weird, uh, weird thing to comment on, uh, but it kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about earlier with color. I really love the color palette in this movie. It really goes a long way to sell the time period of this. And I think that the set design as well, and to a certain extent, the costuming. I just think it's it it's really it really successfully creates uh, the '60s. When is it? Is it the '60s? When when was the Zodiac Earth. going around American people? I don't know, but it 
it doesn't feel like it's faking it. You know, like it could have. Nah. Okay. I I don't know, but the the cast is really really good here, and uh, just by chance it just happens to be really like Marvel centric. So if uh, if you've seen Marvel movies, you probably know the cast already. Um, you've got like Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. Uh, you got Mark Gyllenhaal. Ruffalo. But yeah. Yeah, what what can we say about Zodiac? Yeah. There's a, you know. Zodiac um, yeah. has a fantastic killer, to be honest. Like, it's very... Um, and killing scenes. It is terrifying without resorting to traditional, like, jump scare tropes. Like, it builds the suspense so that you're frightened without feeling, like, personally threatened. You're just frightened for the characters who you see interacting with one another which i think is really unique yes there's one scene in particular where there are two there's a couple having a picnic and i think it perfectly encapsulates what you're describing it in any Mm -hmm. kind of normal movie quote unquote it would be you know at night or something the the score would be ramped up to 11 uh you know there'd be weird cuts but no it's like it's almost in like midsummer where it's just out in the open daytime the guy's just fucking standing there and they're just kind of you know i I don't know how to explain it properly without describing the scene beat for beat well um another good one is the basement scene which is probably one of the most well-known scenes in the film where it's just like a pure adrenaline rush where you have no idea what's going to happen you still don't have a clear picture of the killer um and they're just standing here and you feel the tension between them and you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen is that near the end i haven't i don't remember that yes okay. that's why i'm not giving you a spoiler but okay good. it is there is a scene in a basement that is so fantastic well, should we talk about Seven, then? Because I've got a lot to say about Seven. Uh, sure, go for seven it. Seven is really good. That's another one where the color palette goes lengths to kind of improve the atmosphere of the movie. It's probably one of the grittiest movies I think I've ever seen. Uh, it, I was going to say it's gory without really showing you the gore, but that's completely incorrect. It fucking sh- puts it right in your face. I, I was mainly referring to the... Uh, the box scene it never shows you what's inside the box but you know mm. without it telling you you know uh but it is very unflinching with its mature content and i think that's to its benefit it's really raw what do you guys have think? you seen yeah. panic room i have not i have i have yeah also a very long time ago like I, I was expecting something more than that movie, but I was so disappointed after I watched it. It's a really good opening shot with the with the CGI kettle and the stairs and stuff. It has some really good shots in terms of the way that it uh the camera work gives you a sense of claustrophobia as in your as if you're in the actual room with them. Um, it's also, I think, an underrated performance on Stewart's end. Um, I don't think it gets talked about enough because Twilight takes that over. But are we going to talk about the masterpiece that is Alien Three? 
That's the only one I haven't seen from him, actually. Well, that and the other one, but I don't know which one is that. Probably a good thing. I, I, I haven't seen it in... Uh, I haven't seen it since I did a video essay on Fincher. But uh, doesn't the alien, like, impregnate Ripley or something? <laughs> Has anyone wow, seen I, it? I, I, Can anyone like I have, clarify? I have I have not seen three. Hey, I've I only seen him. one and two. Someone <laughs> in chat confirm me. Yeah, I, I saw him. And... And yeah, okay. Yeah, a bit yeah. So the alien impregnates Ripley in the third movie, which gives you an idea of what sort of bullshit <laughs> happens in that. Um Yeah, uh, yeah, I had no idea how that uh how that happened, but Pregnant. She's not impregnated. I I swear there was some. I chat is giving me mixed messages. I don't think it was impregnated. I think that's just how they hatch. They just kind of like grow inside you. Oh, she gets a yeah. face hugger inside her. Okay, okay. Well, that's what I heard. Like when I hear people talking about the movie, there. I thought that's what you meant. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I was under the impression that something different happened, but I blocked that movie pretty much <laughs> out of my mind. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> Anyways, I, I don't know. I think everyone's kind of mentally checking out. I don't know. It feels like we're not really talking about it. Has long. anyone, um, I was going to say, has anyone seen Mank yet? That I've is... seen Mank. Which one? Oh, Mank. yeah, I have. It sucks. It's so bad. It's Okay, it's not oh, that it bad. But it's Mank. Like, it, it's it's kind mm. of shit. It, it's really slow. And it sucks so much. It's not a slow burn. It's like a... What's like the opposite to a burn? It's like a slow freeze. A burn? I don't know. It, it just sucks so much. After the first five minutes because I hated the sound, says Matt. Yes, I agree. The sound is really distracting. It's cool. I think it's cool for the first five minutes and then it becomes distracting. Uh... But yeah, that it's also one of those movies that you really have to uh, kind of research before you watch it to kind of have any idea of what's happening. Like this movie does not give a fuck if you don't know the story behind this. It's not going to go to any yeah. lengths to kind of tell you what's happening. You just kind of have to know. It's sort of like in Tarantino's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with the whole uh, Charles Manson yeah. or whatever his name is. And it just doesn't tell you like if you don't know what's going on already you're in the dark it it's not going to slow down for you uneducated watches to be fair most yeah, of the new i don't think that's true i don't think many people i i think the movie put him in the public consciousness a lot more like besides just his name as a murderer like i think but the whole you know the whole cult thing i don't think many people or at least outside of america i don't know if many people uh, knew about Charles Manson just as general knowledge, but yeah, you've you've got a point. Uh, sorry, I was responding to what someone said in chat. Uh, Macbeth said, "To be fair, most people know Charles Manson, but not many people know Mank." Sorry if my voice is pretty croaky. It, it's seven fifty in the morning. <laughs> We've been recording for a while, and I just woke up, so you know, <laughs> forgive me. But, yeah, don't uh, worry about Batman. it. 
Yeah, Mank was um, really big last year during film awards season, but I know that the audience reception did not seem to be as positive as uh, the critical reception. So I'm just interested what you guys thought. Hollywood really loves movies about Hollywood. That yeah. is true. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I agree. Do we want to... I think it's... Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I, actually, that's one of my reviews for the new Fear Street movies that are on Netflix right now. Uh, that's why I reviewed the first movie with, because... Uh, as a horror enthusiast, uh, it was really disappointing for me to get another horror that's only focused on high school teens and, you know, this cliche horror. And so I, I wrote a rant review that was like, what the fuck is going on with Hollywood? You know, like they should go to therapy or something to, to get over high schoolers because they are obsessed over high schoolers or broken relationships or abusive families. Or, you know, very typical and stereotypical uh, American families' uh, situations. So they should totally explore more than in the world than just America. I think we're pretty much done. I don't know if there's anything more to say. Do we want to wrap up there? Sounds good. Anyone have any closing yeah, thoughts think... before we... Uh... Don't spoil Fight Club. Yes, I guess no I'm gonna watch it. Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Maria. Can you set the bot to ban people who uh, say anything <laughs> relating to the twist? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can take care of that. We didn't say what cool. Criterion movies we have. Oh, was that one of the questions? We want to answer that. What Criterion movies we have? Well, the answer for me is zero because I'm broke. I yeah. yeah I too. also don't collect Criterion, so. Sorry. If I went to school collecting posters. I think posters are cool. I want to collect posters. I was gonna get a displate uh, for one of the Criterion posters. I feel like that's very you, Maria, to collect the artwork over the film itself. I like that. I'm getting a new yeah. room, and I'm going to kind of decorate it with movie posters and movie shelves full of movie things. So That's cool. Yeah, I'm also getting a giant kind of like like a, like a giant 4K TV, so I can kind of actually have a, a space to watch movies instead of just on my phone. It'll be like my first time having a an actual spot for myself you know i don't really have a cinema setup like a lot of people yeah. do the tv room is usually occupied by live tv watching from my parents <laughs> the uh yeah your film experience will be very different and probably much more enjoyable i hope so uh well it's pretty unfortunate that lauren didn't uh manage to show up but that's all right i, I think yeah I think it was fine. We, he fine. was in the he was in the last two episodes. You guys can go back and listen to those if. Uh... Oh, actually, Lauren yeah, will be about back. the third episode. Uh, so, bit of a dilemma with the third episode. I think it, mostly it was my bad, but I think generally it was just human error. The volume of everyone's voices are completely different. So, you've got Lauren who sounds like he's talking through like a megaphone and then you've got mercy really really quiet 
uh, and then you've got me and Maria somewhere in the middle. But uh, it's it, what I was doing was I was going through and I was taking bits of everyone's sentences and making them louder and softer, which is really hard when everyone talks over each other uh, because you have to kind of isolate people's voices and, and on top of that, try to make it not sound like it's edited. But anyways, that was it, it was really time-consuming. And by the time I figured out kind of the trick to doing it, uh, I became really busy with filming my short film. So that that's in the pipeline. It's going to happen. Like, I'm not just getting rid of that third episode. It'll probably be up at the same time as episode four. So I'll probably just do a back-to-back release of that. That might be the way I'll do it. Uh, so when I've got this edited... Um, yeah, that, that'll, that'll be up. So you can do a back-to-back binge uh, of us if that's the kind of thing you want to yeah. do. Uh, unfortunately, you won't have a back-to-back binge of Lauren because he is not here. Uh, but you can find him on Letterboxd at LoloZap, L-O-L-O-Z-A-P. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at Rosace, and you can find me on Twitter at Rowan underscore Roz. You can find me on Letterboxd as Maria R-O-M. You can find me on Letterboxd as Eddie Ontiveros. And you can find me on Letterboxd at literally underscore mercy. And as usual, you can look in the description of the podcast and find all of the, the little links if you can't be stuffed uh, trying 20 different combinations to figure out what, sure. we, what we just said. Um, yeah, so anyways, this has been Rowan, Mercy, Eddie, and Maria. Uh, this is episode four of the Watch and Wine podcast hope you have a good one enjoy your day thanks for listening to the watch and wine podcast make sure to google our discord server watch and wine to meet us and listen to these podcasts live you'll also meet a ton of other like-minded users who love film just as much as you do and as always have a good one